All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tell the Truth Pod. We're back here for our week six recap. Man, D-Mac, yours truly. CJ at the bottom of the screen. DG, DG to my right, actually, technically, you know, on y'all screen. <laughs> We're back. Uh, yeah, I had to take last week off. Uh, I was driving to Wichita, so you know, not driving to Wichita. It's nice. Yeah, how y'all doing, CJ DG? Good to talk with you guys again, man. You know, five and one, right? Five and one victory, victory Tuesday, I guess you could say. Carrying it over, carrying it right. over. Right. We played three weeks ago. Well, I know. It feels like forever ago that we did play. <laughs> right. It's <is> very true. <laughs> I mean, for those, for those that may have forgot, since it does feel so long ago, obviously the Chiefs on Thursday night football took on the Broncos in uh, uh, Geha Field at Arrowhead Stadium and ended up winning 19-8 to in a game in which I watched live and was extremely frustrated. Uh, with offensive decisions that were made <laughs> throughout the entirety of that game. Uh, yeah, no, there's, I did not tailgate hard enough to not be frustrated, or maybe I tailgated too much to be extra frustrated. I don't know. It, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, offense struggled some in situations. Um, obviously, defense continued its excellent level of play, held in a shutout, really, until uh, a, a final drive in the fourth quarter uh, where – that you may be questionable roughing in the passer call ended up extending said drive for a coincident touchdown. Got to give credit to what the defense has brought to the table. And uh, I think they've earned first billing, but so I'll give you guys just first crack at it. Any thoughts just really quickly about the overall game, you guys watching it at home, anything you guys thought about? Kind of same old, same old, doesn't really change. Um, you can kind of tell the offense wasn't really, taking it too serious. I saw multiple trick plays. When I saw Kadarius Tony throw a ball in a double coverage, all the frustration I had left my body. I'm like, yeah, Andy's not taking this game seriously. Nagy's not taking it seriously. So why should I? So um, a lot of the same issues. I feel like it's like a broken record. Pat missing reads, receivers missing routes at times, and uh, defense is playing out of their mind. Another turnover on the books. DG, just keep that check mark. So um, it's just kind of the same old, same old, man. Eventually, we got to break out of this funk, man. It's week seven. So we got eventually got to get out of it. So. We'll see what happens this week on Sunday. So, yeah, um, frustration the whole whole damn game. Like, <laughs> as, outside of the defense, just offensively, just frustrated. Like, I literally sat there and watched the whole game, rubbing my head like this. And you know, it's just it's just hard to see knowing what they're capable of and knowing what they can do at this point, and they're just not executing 15 looks lost some days like some plays or whatever yeah like really patron mahomes man like i don't i'm 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 starting to really wonder when we get mvp pat back because patron mahomes been here a little bit too long yeah i don't like i don't like it at all it's a marathon ain't it we're trying to go back to back but it is what it is they got a dub so you know it's what it is you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes it was ugly um but you did enough to win that's ultimately what matters. Some teams on Sunday did not do enough to win. We will get into that later on when we go through our power rankings. And then also our week seven preview as well as we start out with the Chiefs game. But there are plenty of good games on the docket. Um, so, yeah, coming out of last week, obviously a lot of storylines, offensive frustration, some defensive praise as well. We'll start here on the defense. Um, and I think that it's important when you go up against a team that's reeling in a certain sense, 
that you really take advantage of those moments. Um, I think that the offense obviously had a little bit of an unserious game plan to do just that against, uh, you know, what is coming in as a league league uh, or a historically bad defense as far as the Broncos were concerned. Um, the defense from our, our perspective, though, being able to take the ball away from Russell Wilson. Um, this was something that coming into the year was a big a talking point for me. You have to take the ball away to be a good defense, really to be an elite defense. And that's exactly what they were able to do. Um, they obviously created two turnovers, uh, Justin Reed interception, uh, a Trent McDuffie fumble, uh, forced fumble, I should say, as well. And I'm third, third of the year, by the way. Third forced fumble of the year because, you know, he's a small corner, but he always loves to take the ball away. I think he hit – he hit P. Ryan so hard that his knee decided to create the fumble, which is hey, <laughs> hilarious, man. Uh, it was funny to watch. So this defense is taking the ball away. Obviously, we've had their evolution. What are you guys' thoughts specifically as it pertains to this defense being able to uh, turn other teams over and their overall evolution into this year and, and a hot start for them on that side of the ball? That's ultimately what you want to do, right? Is There's a defense, you know the offense is going to touch the ball on average six to seven times per game. So giving the ball basically your offense when you get an extra possession for themselves or two and you're taking it away from the other team, it increases your chances of winning. So this defense is getting to the quarterback at a high level. The secondary is playing out of their mind right now. Um, take away Trent. About to start that, get a hashtag, copyright it. We're about to get T-shirts made. That's definitely about to be the trending point this year. So um, guys are playing good. They're flying around, getting to the ball. Pass rush is getting there. Charles will be back this week. Nick Bolton missed the tackle, but he made up for it with the interception on the very next drive. So Guys are playing good ball right now. So you can't really critique them too much. Obviously, we know it's going to be the the real talking point. It's going to be when we play Miami in a couple of weeks in Germany and we play Philly after the bye. And we got Buffalo and Cincinnati at home. And that's when we really get to see how good this defense is. And overall, they've been playing good football and there's nothing to take away from them. But those are the games where, you know, it really counts. And all the talking points are going to be validated after games like that. So, so far, so good. Not too much complaints on the defense for me. Yeah, it, it seems like this year, this year there's a, a mindset of, you know, taking the ball away, which was something that we, we kind of wanted to see them do last year that I felt like they they kind of didn't get an opportunity to do enough of. And it seems like this year there, there's that mindset that, hey, we need to get the ball out, you know, every every offense's hands, get as many turnovers as we can to give Pat and them a chance to get back on the field and score some points. Um, so overall, man, I, I, <laughs> the defense is playing lights out, man, like, they're flying around. They're physical. Like they're a lot. This is probably the most physical defense I think we've ever seen in the Mahomes era. You know, it just mm-hmm. seems like that there's a mindset to be physical, get the ball out, get to the quarterback, and get off the field on third downs. And I'm loving, it, man. Every minute of it that they're doing that, I'm loving it. I think it it obviously makes them a more balanced team, especially going on later on to the season, which you're gonna be, you're gonna really need to be. So for me. And everything the defense is doing is A plus. Um, I have no zero complaints. And Trent McDuffie's is all pro. I'm gonna keep saying it. Take away Trent, put it on a shirt. <laughs> right. For me, he's doing nothing but playing amazing coverage. And look, the Jarius Need is too. And now Trent McDuffie's adding the takeaway element. Last year, the Chiefs um, were 20th in takeaways, with 20 actually even on the year. And so that was a place where they kind of struggled. They did not have the ability to really turn the ball over from the offense. And this year, they're 10th um, with nine takeaways on the year through six weeks. And, hey, man, that's, it's a defense that's turning it around. So the, the other side of that is now that you've gotten the takeaway element of it, your secondary is playing at a great level. Your linebackers are playing at a great level. Chris Jones is wreaking havoc. 
you've had some extra edge push. You know, those guys are not necessarily winning quickly, but they are winning to the point where they're creating pressure. The second, the, the last piece of this puzzle is really to have that four-man pass rush come together. And like you mentioned, CJ, when Charles Amenehue is coming back. Flying back. Charles Amenehue has started his countdown. He will be on the field for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. This man, um, simply put, was one of the most effective pass rushers on the edge or interior last year on a rate basis. Uh, you could look up and down. He was top 10 in win rate. He was top 20 as far as quick wins. He was top 20 as far as pressures and, and pressures, hits, hurries, and sacks as well combined. The man had a great season as far as getting after the passer, and now he gets that, bring that over. We saw a glimpse of it during preseason, which he gave some Browns offensive linemen hell. Now we get to see it lined up next to Chris Jones, George Kaloptis, Mike Dana, Felix, and company. And this is the last piece of the puzzle, in my personal opinion. When you create takeaways, when you're playing solid defense down to down, and this team is top 10 as far as success rate, EPA per drop back, et cetera, et cetera. Now you have to get after it for that is how you become an elite defense that really can give great quarterbacks trouble. So, CJ, go ahead and start off. What are you expecting to see from this four-man pass rush, and who do you want to see as that four-man pass rush when Charles Amenehu plays on Sunday? Obviously, you know, Spags and Andy are going to try to downplay it. They're going to say we're going to ease him in. But, you know, Charles is going to want to go out and get all the reps he can, especially when you see guys like Chris who – essentially came off the bench and essentially got a sack when he walked into Jacksonville. So, you know, Charles is keeping himself in shape. He went through the whole training camps. You know, he's been chomping at the bit to get out there. So I expect to see a lot of um, a lot of exotic blitzes, especially on third down. I would love to see him next to Chris for sure. And on the edge, you can kind of play with it. Probably you can kind of go a hot hand if you want to go George Felix or if you want to go Mike and George or a combination of anybody out of three. So, and then uh, essentially that's, that's the kind of NASCAR package that we've been wanting to see since we got this group together in training camp, what we talked about all summer. So, it's going to be fun to see those guys win one-on-one. And like to D-Max point, you don't really have to blitz when you have that kind of four on the field. So it's going to be easier for your back end because you know those guys are going to get pressure regardless of who's out there. Chris Jones can kind of pick and choose his spots for a weak point, and you can't double-team everybody. So that's going to be the, the main point I'm watching. And those two guys will land up next to each other because if you double-team one, then you're leaving guys like Mike Dana, George Karloftis, these guys who are having career years so far with one-on-ones, and that's something you don't want to do. And Felix is taking the next step and getting better every week as well. So. I'm excited to see what these guys do in, in, in one-on-one situations. And we know the Chargers offensive line has struggled at times. We saw that on Monday night that they gave us some opportunity for a sack with Micah Parsons at the end of the game. So I think it's a good opportunity for the D-line to prove themselves, even if it is limited snaps for Charles. But I know he's going to try to do his best to be on the field as much as possible. So definitely want to see him win their one-on-ones third down. That's the biggest one for me. Man, y'all y'all thought CJ was eating now? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till a minute you'll get in there on the inside with him. I, I just think Charles Char, Charles Charles provides so much versatility for this line because of, of his ability to play inside and out. Um, I, like CJ said, it's going to be hard to double team either one of them. You know, And I, I think if you have both of those guys on the inside, it's, it's going to be pick your poison. Um, but but the great part is, is that you can, you can flip Charles to the outside, put George on the inside. Or, you know, flip switch sides with Dana, put Dana on it. You know, like the, the four I would kind of like to see would probably be Dana in that NASCAR package would be Dana, uh, Karloftis, um, CJ, and, and Aminahue. And maybe mixing in like Felix every, you know, situationals, stuff like that. I think that that really helps, um, especially on third down. Um, but, man, the versatility, 
is is gonna be amazing to see, uh, especially with those guys, both of those guys being able to play on the inside and and kind of dominate in those areas or whatever. So I'm I'm happy a minute he was coming back. Hopefully uh he comes back ready to play. And don't don't put him on no snap count, man. Come on. Like let let the monster le- um, off the leash. Let him go. Yeah, don't don't do this easing into him. Let us cook, man. <laughs> like it, it'll be very interesting to see how exactly those snaps do end up bearing out. And I, I put a little bit on here from a tweet I had just talking a little bit about some of those stat- statistics that I was talking about earlier as far as Charles Abinia's production last year. And look, the, the reality situation is there's a lot of snaps that could be possibly given around. Uh, Dan and Karloftis are playing about 80% of the snaps. Some of those can be scaled back a little bit. Um, obviously, Felix had a, a drastic reduction in snap count this last game. So we'll end up seeing how much he uh, continues to progress as we go throughout the season as well. And there's always the possibility of a, an old friend, an old old face, an old champion uh, that is now out there in free agency. And maybe a certain shark may be coming around in the waters as well as an addition midseason, because it's always good to have a nice vet in the room, to say the least. But yes, I'm extremely excited to see Charles and many who move around throughout this line with Chris Jones and his versatility, with Karloftis, with Dana, with Felix, all mixed in there. We know all of those guys have the ability to get after the pass. And now if you give Charles Amini, who, in my opinion, can truly be that second-best pass rusher that can be that game-changer next to Chris Jones, can win quickly, that that can be that type of defensive overall you know, ability to not only just send extra guys and get after it and trust your secondary, but now going after it with four and really giving quarterbacks hell um, that it'll it'll be able to take this defense just to another notch up and really try and be elite. Um, and I'm excited to see it. So the secondary um, little kind of storyline coming out of the game, obviously Nick Bolden had a great interception. Um, and that was the third takeaway of the game. There was a first takeaway of the game, but third overall, obviously three turnovers for the game. Um, a great play in which him and Drew Tranquil uh, combined, actually. Drew Tranquil initially dropped into a, a little bit of their flood concept where they tried to get it to Derry Judy, and then he initially drove on the flat route that Russ faked, and uh, eventually Nick Bolton was able to, you know, kind of smooth over into the zone and undercut the route and take it away from them. So the, the question that's kind of been floating around is, Willie Gay, obviously, and, and Drew Tranquil have expiring contracts at the end of the year. Nick Bolden is somebody that will be coming up on a possible extension at the end of the year. Those three guys, different linebackers, different responsibilities, different things that Spags and company ask him to do. How do you feel about those guys? And which, and look, this is a little bit, you know, pick your favorite child, but which of those two do you think it is important to keep in Kansas City long term? And you have to say goodbye to one of the three. Drew and Nick. I think Willie might have to go. Uh, <laughs> he had to pick. Like just like 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 extension. Yeah. If you if you could choose two of those guys to give extensions and third not. It'd probably be Nick and Drew. And I love Willie, but like from a cover, and like Drew would be cheaper. And it'd be like a short a short term like solution for a long term, obviously thing. So Willie would probably be a more of an expense, like a long-term expense, because his price point would be a lot much higher than Drew's at this point, because he's younger, been on a championship team, Super Bowl champion. You know how people treat Super Bowl champions when it's free agency time. So I would say Nick for sure and Drew Tranquil. I think he'd be more of a value, and you get the same kind of production and type of player for sure. Drew, I, I can see Drew doing more of the team-friendly two-year yeah. deal where he, you know, he takes 
a little bit less to stay here to to you know try to keep continue to keep winning. I, I love Willie, but I I I would think if if we were able to accomplish this thing and finish this this year off as champions again, I kind of think he would price himself out of KC, especially being young and you know first time on the market and you know seeing all the dollar signs or whatever because you know. You win rings, people gonna offer you money, man. Like, you know, it's just a, a fact of matter. So, um, but as far as schematically and who I think would thrive more in this this defense, it'll be I feel like it'd be Nick and Drew because they just I, I I can already kind of see Trinkle's more of a a better cover linebacker than than Willie is at this point in time, and I think Nick's instincts are growing. This was just gonna make him better in coverage as well too you can kind of see it on that that interception um that's a play i think you know what two three, two years ago nick doesn't play make and now he's able to make that play because the film and the, the the reps and the time so you know i think nick is ascending and drew is kind of uh kind of like that that scotty pippen role next to him you know Somebody mm-hmm. that can they they can kind of put in there to to kind of do some of the similar things that Nick can do for us as well too. For sure. Yeah, it's a it's a steady hand in my opinion. Um, I think that you guys hit hit it right. I, I think that Drew Tranquil, um, based on everything that we've heard from him, the ways that he talks about being in Kansas City and a winning culture, he sounds like he's more you know uh, amenable to a possible team friendly deal to stay here um, throughout the future. And I think Nick Bolton is a, a key piece in the middle of this defense, a tone setter. Um, and look, some of that stuff is, is noise, of course, of course. But some of that also is very important for a locker room and setting the tone of this defense. In my personal opinion, throughout you know 2019 and 2020, there was a little bit of a soft nature to this defense. Now, of course, guys like Tyron Matthew brought that juice, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, but there was still you know it was a little bit doughy you know at times. We we were bent, but don't break. We didn't really try and set the tone. Nick Bolton was the start of a little bit of a shift in the mentality of defense trying to dictate to the other team, really being physical, actually setting the tone, saying that you're not going to run all over us. I'm going to make these stops, and you're going to have to find another way to move the ball down the field. And to me, that does matter a lot, specifically on defense. I think there are a lot of aspects of offensive football that are more so, you know, not necessarily finesse or, or more so analytical, but there's a lot of mentality to say, I'm going to stop you from being able to get these next two yards. And that's that's a you got to have a, a little bit of a different take. And I think that Nick Bolton in the middle of this defense brings that not to say that Willie Gray doesn't uh, doesn't by any means, because uh, as Harold points out, um, his play has been very well also. And he flies around like crazy and he obviously gets them hyped as well. <clears throat> but you got to be a little bit realistic about what these guys are going to be asking for. I do think that Gay ultimately prides himself out. Drew is a nice compliment to Nick because of his cover, pass coverage ability, a little bit better guy that you can rotate in and out. And he's also Nick insurance. As we've seen, he can step in and play that Mike linebacker role. Exactly. And look, Leo, I think is just ready and waiting to take a little bit on of a, a bigger role. We know he's at, he has that athleticism. And he's just been learning and growing as well throughout this time here. Even it's been very short in his sophomore year. So look, it's a great problem to have. You've got four damn good linebackers and guys to rotate in. And they're really providing a backbone of this defense right now um, that is playing at an extremely high, high level. Um, so, look, enough about the defense, which you know is great. Let's get to everybody's favorite offense, you know. Uh, and, look, I, I do want to make sure that we get to some of these questions here because Noni asked a very nice one talking about could they possibly try to downplay how good they are 
or avoiding putting stuff on tape. Um, and look, the truth of the matter is, and I'm going to get to your other question, Harold, as well, the offense. The answer is yes. <laughs> it happens every year. They don't show things early on in the year. The whole point. They, they they don't want to. They they want to make sure that they have their game plans ready to surprise teams as they get on into the games that really do matter. The way the schedule is kind of broken down, they don't necessarily have to pull out great things. And that was shown on Thursday night. They didn't try and really win that game versus the Broncos. They just made sure they didn't lose it. <laughs> That's all they had to do. They could lose the ball easily and got in field goal range, kicked field goals. They scored one touchdown. And that was all they needed because defense played well. So ultimately, yes, they absolutely are always going to be holding things back, trying things out, putting a little bit on tape so that they can be ready to make those adjustments. And so after this mini buy, it's going to be very interesting to see what changes you see made. Obviously, Justin Watson has been taken out of this uh, wide receiver rotation as of right now because of his injury. How are they exactly going to change that wide receiver rotation? So I ask you guys ultimately, because it's been floating around, not a great performance versus the Broncos on Thursday night football. Do you guys feel like this offense is broken? No. I don't think it's broken. I think the main issue right now is just continuity. It, it's the little things right now. And I think just bringing in new guys and guys that are younger and KT and, and Sky and Rasheed, like, they're just young, and they you you can tell they're literally trying to learn how to play with Pat as well, where to sit in certain zones, how to run a certain route. We and for us, it's frustrating because you know we're used to seeing this this offense be very explosive, be very prolific, and stuff like that. But it's coming down now to a point where the the little things are really are mattering, and and if <laughs> if they're not able to do that. Um, with some of the young guys, it, it's, it's, it can be frustrating. But at the same time, you got to be just patient with it and, and know that they're going to get it fixed. So I, I believe in, in, in Andy and his staff and what they can do with these young guys. Um, it's just, it's just going to take a little tinker here, a little tinker there, you know, chemistry and just, you know, playing throughout the season to just figure some things out. But I don't believe it's broken, but – it's, it's early, definitely, man. You can't really yeah. It's so. definitely frustrating. It is frustrating. But, like, the thing is, DG, at this point last year or years past when we've been 5-1 and one, and our offense was playing and clicking on all cylinders and our defense was struggling, people right. would be okay with that. It's just because yeah. it's the other way around. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. you think one Would you be saying the defense is broken or you just say they're just doing what they're supposed to do in the years past? It's a bad defense. defense. It's going to get better when the playoffs come around. It's going to get better. <laughs> so get, exactly. <laughs> so you give the defense a little bit of leeway, but now we can't do that for the offense? Why not? So they can't have the, – the offense has been carrying this defense the last five years that Mahomes has been here. Yeah. And now the defense is doing their job finally in their sixth year of his of his tenure as a starter. And now all of a sudden the offense is broken. So the offense has been carrying all the weight, so they can't take a load off. They have to do the back carrying every single year. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with that? If the offense gets going after this buy or after this mini buy to D-Max point, is anybody going to care about us starting slow? It doesn't matter. Like, I know the offense is struggling. I'm not trying to be naive and say nothing's happening. I'm not blind to anything that's happening. But at the end of the season, if we're scoring like we usually do, we're putting up 30 points and the offense looks like themselves, nobody's going to care about this slow start, even if you call it a slow start because we're 5-1. and one. So, And we're moving the ball by any metric, top 10 in the league, great on third down. I don't know what – like, we're just not scoring as much as we usually do, which is fair. But 
we're still winning games because the other teams aren't scoring. And at the end of the day, that's what your job is to do, to make sure you score more points than them. We're doing that, and I tweeted this out last week. It's just unconventional. And my thing is, like, y'all remember the days where our offense weren't amazing, right? We were winning games like that all the time. We had to win in the 20s. It was like a 17-18 type game. Those were ugly games and normal games for us on a weekly basis. So it may look different now because we haven't seen it in such a long time. We're used to the offense being the, carrying the team, and they're not doing that right now. But when they do get back on track, and you know they're going to get back on track, it sounds good now to say they're struggling, but we know it won't last forever. So it, it is funny to, to see people get frustrated, but I'm like, guys, it's, a, it's 17 games. we just done six of them. we got a lot more football to play. I'm not going to give my real critique of this offense, fellas, until after the bye. When the bye week is done and we get into week 10, week 11, then I'll start truly judging them on what they are. Because you've had 10 weeks of data. You had a week off to, you know, critique things you want to do, what you like, what you don't like, what Pat's most comfortable with, what Andy likes to call. Then we could really start having our judgment. But for right now, if we're winning games and we go into the bye, what, 7-2, and 8-1, nobody's really going to care the way the offense played, honestly. As long as we're getting wins and when the playoffs come and it really matters, we know what this team does. So, And this defense has been the – Give us bags of flowers. Y'all are more upset about the offense than you are praising the defense, which is the most upsetting point to me. Because do you really like football? Because the defense is playing like elite ball right now, and nobody's saying as much as they should be saying. That's that's my only point. Yeah, look, I, I completely understand it. And I think it's always good to keep things in perspective. And, and Chris kind of gets to it. And, and Harold, I'm going to get to both those questions about the wide receivers. Exactly, you know. exactly Chris. Exactly. It's, it's broken and struggling. It's still like ninth in the league at offense. It's still top 10 across most metrics. Yeah, and it's our, we're struggling to our standards, not really struggling. Like, exactly. You chief standards at the end of your statements. You can't just say struggling. And, and the reality situation is across the league, most offenses are struggling. I think that. The TD percentage across the league is the lowest since 2008. Yards per attempt, lowest since 2008. Uh, yards per completion is actually the lowest ever in the National Football League. The quarterback rating is the lowest since 2017. There, there are struggles across the entire NFL. I think the sack percentage is the highest since 1998. The, a bunch of offenses are struggling. It's just what it is. Defenses, as of right now, have been able to adjust to certain things, and offenses are lagging behind. As you go throughout the season, the cream will rise to the top. And you know that you have a trio that is about as great as possible. Hall of Famers across the board as far as quarterback, um, uh, obviously number one weapon and play designer uh, as far as Andy Reid is concerned. And look, it, you pair all that with a top five offensive line, things will fall into place. It will take time to do so. Um, so I did just want to give a little bit of a perspective as far as the league-wide offensive struggles. Um, so, yeah, so let's have the wide receiver conversation. Talk about the mini-buy. Talking about certain uh, aspects. We saw Rasheed Rice, his progression. He has come in as a rookie, exceeded most expectations, certainly for rookies in Andy Reid's offense, and what most people expected out of Rasheed Rice to start out. The explosion is great, especially after the catch. You see him be able to settle down in zones effectively. You see him working a little bit better to get uh, get off a of man coverage effectively. So Watson now out. MVS is is running joggers out there. He's, he's, he's <laughs> not doing a lot of great stuff. We know Sky Moore is very inconsistent. Tony is as well, you know, because he's just getting gadget plays and really close things to the line of scrimmage. We've gone through this question a little bit more. How do you guys want this wide receiver rotation to look coming out of the bye, knowing, assuming Watson will not be playing? Who is your primary three, and then who are the two that you want to mix in? Obviously, you know, Washington probably not going to be in that rotation. Yeah. The primary thing for me would be MVS, Rasheed, and Sky. And then I'll be cool with mixing in some KT for gadget play to keep him as much healthy as possible because we know he can get hurt at any moment. 
and obviously I want to see Justin Ross play as much more as possible. So for sure, get um, Rasheed, Sky, and MVS the reps, and then mix in some Justin and Casey. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think uh, MVS, Sky, and Rasheed need to be the three going forward. Um, Rasheed's obviously um, kind of figuring out something like when I was talking about that continuity with Pat about zone, where to sit at and where to be. Uh, when, especially when Pat escapes the pocket and kind of gets out and rolling. I I do believe Pat is kind of um, not looking his way at some points in time because there's some points where he's he's open and Pat's got – you can tell just got a little bit more trust with 87, which is – this is a given. They've been playing together for a long time now or whatever. But moving forward, I, I think it needs to be MVS, Sky, and, and Rasheed, and then mixing in KT. And Justin <sighs> – I can't say enough about Justin Ross, man. Like, they got to figure out a way to get him on the field a lot more, um, especially with with Watson going down. Maybe that that can be a role that he kind of takes over at this point in time, especially with his size. I'm, I'm not sure if the speed is is there as much as as Watson is, but I, I know with his size, some of those 50-50 balls could really go his way or whatever, and just use him to to do some some dynamic things with this offense. So. If they decide to keep those guys in their little traditional roles, if MBS is our ex receiver, somebody else has to play outside, obviously, to, to draw coverage away from him. So I think Rasheed, honestly, in my opinion, fellow, should be lined up outside more. I think he graduated from slot. And I know the the amount, the route tree for the outside receivers is much harder than the slot. We're saying, I think a lot of people aren't really taking into account. Sky Moore is lining up. I think over 70% of his snaps are lined up outside. Like he's lining up exclusively out there most games. He's not really getting to line up in the slot as much as I would like him to be. And you know how I've always, I've always told DG this, whoever in the slot gets the money. Because you know Trav's going to get his double team. So if you're lined up in there, he's going to draw coverage. So if you're in the slot, you're going to get a one-on-one. And Rasheed's taking advantage of his opportunities right now. And I'm glad he's doing that. But if Justin Watson is out for a long period of time to DMX point, somebody else has to play Z. And Sky, can, Sky Moore can't be the only one that knows the route tree outside of MBS to play outside. So I believe Rasheed Rice should get the opportunity to play Z at times and move Sky to the slot just to mix it up and give team different looks. Because um, I'm like, i not saying Sky Moore is not a capable receiver, but we all envision him to being a slot receiver, not being lined up outside the numbers. That's not what he traditionally does. He did it at times at Western Michigan, but that's not his primary route tree. Um, his, his quickness, breaking tackles, running quick, shifty routes, getting in and out of breaks, that's his strength of his game, kind of similar to Rasheed. And I love that Rasheed has that versatility, but if Rasheed is this fast and physical receiver like, like DG and D-Mac just said, we have to see what he can do outside the numbers and let him use that explosiveness. He's 6'1", he can run. He's fast. Let him go out there and make a play. We all saw the route when he ran in Cleveland in the preseason. I know he dropped it, but he got open and had some good separation in that game. So I would love to see Rasheed get outside the numbers, man. Let him use that size, let him use that speed and show what he can really do because I'm proud of what he's done so far. I just want to see him get the opportunity to really prove himself. Yeah, and, and you mentioned obviously Sky Moore at the Z spot, and that's really the the kind of pivot point and pressure point of this is right now. That Z spot of and not Z spot as in the route that sometimes named in the playbooks. I know CJ would know, but at that Z actual wide receiver position is a staple of Andy Reid's system. And that Z position has to do so much as far as the offense is concerned. And it's it's both a compliment to Sky Moore that he is being asked to do that, but also a detriment to him right now because, like you said, that's not really what he does well. And so ultimately, it's a it's a conflict of how fast can you get somebody up to speed to play the Z so you can move Sky inside, 
compared to is it just better to just try and take advantage of Rasheed Rice in a slot and just continue to have MVS and Sky kind of waste their snaps in the ways in which they're being used right now? It's tough. I agree with the entire chat. Obviously, MVS cannot continue to get 80% of the snaps and get one target a game. That's not sustainable. It's it 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 just won't work. It, you can't have that. <laughs> Something has to change. Either Pat has to target him more, or the MVS snaps have to come down. Give it to Justin or something. Somebody else got to get it, it. It just has to change. And obviously, Justin Ross. And this also goes to Harold's point. You have to catch the ball when you get it. The Minnesota Vikings game, we saw him make an excellent catch to get a first down, but he also had two drops. Exactly. You got to be able to build that trust and be a reliable target when the ball is given to you. You have to take advantage of those opportunities, especially when you're getting limited reps like Justin Ross is as of this moment. And, of course, some of that is rhythm, getting these guys into, into tow. And a lot of that's important, as we talked about, shortening that rotation to make sure that they can get that rhythm, get that trust, and have those reps with Mahomes and live bullets that's going to be ultimately necessary moving forward. Um, overall, what I'll say is this, and, and um, Harold makes a point about uh, Matt Nagy in general, being honest, this team has never ran the ball better than they are right now. So you can't say that they're being soft. Technically, I mean, we're running at a high clip. Pacheco is running like a top ten running back, like that right now. That That's just true. a fact. That he is extremely he's, he's 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 extremely physical, but he's also giving a little bit of patience. It's just just a tiny bit. You're seeing it a little bit. He's hitting the holes when he needs to, and it's great to see for Pacheco, and he's having that growth. I've actually been very impressed by the creativity and run game. They've gotten to some nice pin pull tosses where they have guys move and create a little bit of conflict in the defense, get guys flowing the wrong way, and it opened up soul for Pacheco to hit very quickly. I've been impressed by the run game creativity that we've seen this year, and I want it now to extend into the pass game to try and give teams a, a different look and really try to marry that run to the pass. And I think, again, always with the caveat of early season Chiefs, that will come as you get into the bye weeks and, and et cetera. But ultimately, Harold did ask a very important question. Do you think we need some speed of the trade deadline? And this talks about specifically the issues that we've had with some of the outside wide receivers, outside the numbers. That was my biggest takeaway from watching them live. The defense did not feel threatened whatsoever as far as outside the numbers from the speed perspective. Just overall, they just were, were they just didn't care. And obviously some of that is they finally got a nice go ball to Watson and unfortunately he got hurt on the drop. It is what it is, but. So obviously the, the flavor for my personal opinion, I think that Hollywood Brown would be the only target that really can provide the outside the numbers threat, the speed element, and the actual difference making wide receiver to be at the top of the depth chart to actually be worth trading for at this current moment in time. Um, ultimately, that's a very, that's a long shot. It's unlikely. It is what it is. It, it, you're just probably not going to end up trading. Um, and shout out to Nate Taylor. He ended up explaining this pretty well on their podcast as well. Over there on, on KCS and only real game, only weird games. So look, it's unlikely, but again, something has to change with this wide receiver rotation ultimately. Do you guys have any wide receiver targets out there that you think would be worthwhile to bring back into this offense? I've gotten a lot of DMs this week, so I've gotten this question a lot. They've seen some names and Hollywood Brown's at the top of the list. I've heard his name. I've heard obviously Jerry Judy. Um, people are infatuated with uh, Mike Pittman from the Colts. I've heard his name as well. KJ Osborne from the Vikings. All names that, that are very valid, and I get where people are coming from. The only one I would even entertain would be Hollywood Brown, to D-Max point. Out of that group, I think he's the one that's the best route runner. Um, definitely the most explosive guy, and a guy that can play in multiple positions if need be to play slot or outside. So, but like D-Max said, I don't see that happening. I don't think the Cardinals are in a position really to 
I mean, obviously they're a bad football team. They're probably going to have a top five pick, but I don't think they're ultimately in a sell mode because at that point they would know, well, you're needing him more so than they're trying to just get him out the building. So they would obviously price bump his price point up, and as they should, because they know you're asking for one of our weapons when we're not really in a need to really give away receivers. So I'm, I, I agree with Chuck. I don't really, I don't really need we need any of those guys right now. Um, I like Miko Nani, but I think that's very redundant to what we have right now. It's not really going to change too much. He can run. He'll be the fastest guy in our in our receiver room, no question. But I don't think he's really going to change too much. As far as like from the outside perspective, they want somebody to push the field outside the numbers. So and that's never really been a Miko thing. He can run, but he's never really a guy that wins outside consistently. He's more so like a inside the numbers type of guy. Now he does run the Z very well. So I get your point there. But Overall, I think we have more than enough in this room. I know people don't want to hear that, but honestly, I truly believe we have the talent and ability in this room to make the plays we're asking them to do. Like DMAC and DG's point, it's just going to take time. I know it's frustrating and we want to see the numbers now, but we have a long season. I would wait till I, and I know the trade deadline is Halloween at four o'clock Eastern time. Am I, am I correct on that? I think it's October 31st. So we have a couple more weeks to figure this out. So obviously we want to see some improvement coming up in the next couple of weeks. We play the Chargers, then we got the Broncos again in Denver. So um, I think we'll I think we'll see some big changes this week. Obviously, like D Max said, um, Justin Watson is out. Somebody has to step up else to play the. It can't be MVS 100 percent of the time playing the X. So if Justin Ross isn't getting snaps this week, fellas, that that little train we had or hype for him maybe he did. If you don't get snaps now, he had, somebody else has to play outside besides MVS, and it has to be Justin Ross. So. If, they, if they're really not, if they're really comfortable keeping Rasheed in the slot and Rasheed can't play outside the numbers, then it has to be Ross because there's nobody else in the room really to turn to. So they have to, the moment now and the time is here. So we need to see some changes. Yeah. And then to your point, I think that if Nani, if they trusted B. Cole to play that Z uh, role, um, I think that you would have seen it throughout his time here. And he exactly. played it occasionally, but he was they not. Would have, they would have kept him. Yeah, they would have kept him, and they, they wouldn't be trying to pigeonhole Sky into it right now. So ultimately, him coming back to this rotation won't really change much because to quote Steve Smith, he is just a guy at this current moment in time, and that is what the truth is. Uh, shout out shout out to Chuck in the chat talking about oh, make sure we develop the wide receivers that we already have, um, and also shout out to Kingdom Cast, uh, the, the account that we're currently on. It's probably country. Country, country back there, you know, <laughs> doing his thing. Um, now the Chiefs, the Chiefs bye week will be coming up after their Germany game uh, against Miami in Week Nine. Uh, so their bye week will be in Week Ten. Uh, we'll see them then. Um, and also, uh, Merritt also talked a little bit about uh, obviously EB not necessarily tolerating the drops. And look, I did say early on, I think some of the attention to detail problems in this offense, you can certainly say, were attributed to not having that type of guy in the room. Um, ultimately, though. I think that that's kind of gone away throughout the rest of the season. Um, some of them have just been concentration drops, or you have an exceptionally strong arm quarterback that some guys aren't necessarily used to catching the ball from. That also plays a role occasionally as well. And sometimes you, these guys just have to get these live bullets. Um, so Justin Ross, hopefully we can see more snaps from without Justin Watson out there. Like you said, somebody's going to go outside and do it as of right now, and uh, it doesn't look like they're probably going to end up going anywhere. Um, <laughs> shout, shout out to Russell Wilson. Uh, shout, shout out to that man, Russell Wilson. Shout out to Russ. Shout out to Sierra's husband. Shout, shout out to Russell Wilson in that contract. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Um, they soul, man. Let's ride. Oh, oh baby. Uh, but yeah, so that was a you know a general offensive uh, overview of what we saw, obviously, last week. 
Um, so now we're doing a little bit of a pivot um, in the context of the overall grand scheme of the NFL. We talked a little about offensive struggling, some defensive great performances throughout this week. Um, and I think we saw two of them specifically as it pertains to knocking off the, the two biggest, uh, you know, unbeatens left. As we saw on Sunday, they both went down to some really good defenses. Uh, the New York Jets, uh, without DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, took down the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Cleveland Browns, without Deshaun Watson, uh, were able to take down the 49ers behind their excellent defense as well. So as we pivot into our you know week six power rankings, which we'll end up talking about here, there are five five and one teams, the Lions, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Eagles, and everybody's favorite. Wait, who's it? I missed somebody. Oh, and the and the Bills, right? And, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, no, the Bills are three and two. I'm missing somebody. The Bills are three and two because they lost the Jaguars um, and the Jets. Uh, tonight, Detroit. You said Miami, right? Miami. You said Miami. I just I did not say Miami. That's who Miami. That's Miami. Is it? I was like, I, I was looking at the teams. I'm like, you know what? I'm missing. Yeah, one. Yes. Yeah, there it is. Chiefs, Eagles, Miami Dolphins, 49ers, and Detroit Lions. And as of right now, we are, you know, technically top of standards due to uh, a few different tiebreakers. So shout out to us. You know, we a slow start, guys. Remember, slow start. Slow start. Slow start. <laughs> like we're the worst loss. Must, must be a bad slow start for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, I'll, I'll say that for you sure. Who had the worst loss in that group? Boy, oh boy, man. Uh, so yeah, I guess we yeah we can start that conversation there as far as who the losses are. Obviously, ours to the Lions opening night. Uh, the Lions lost at home to Seattle. The 49ers on the road uh, to Cleveland without yeah, Deshaun Watson with P.J. Walker starting. Uh, Miami Dolphins got trounced by the Buffalo Bills. And the Philadelphia Eagles lost their game to the Jets with Zach Wilson starting. Do you guys have a thought on, on who you think had the uh, had the, the worst loss of that group? Dolphins. I think the Dolphins did. Just, you know, <laughs> they they <laughs> with the Buffalo and got whooped. <laughs> defense is good but Jalen just played so bad bro like he threw three interceptions and two of them were awful one of them was kind of a little bit of overthrow trying to make a play but two of those interceptions were just terrible and I know the Jets defense is good and I, and I think people kind of validating my point when I said last week that's probably the best defense we're going to see this year and they, they've been kind of struggling or making a lot of quarterbacks struggle this year so but I expected the Eagles go in there and win that game just because I thought their defense would give them a chance, and they did. But for Jalen to go in there and play that bad, that was very – I mean, you know, the, the Bills and the Dolphins kind of had this thing. They blow each other out up there. The next game is usually close. But that Philly loss was nasty, bro. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect them to win – just to win like that. Not at all. Yeah, Jalen Hurts in, in those three turnovers absolutely killer. Three interceptions and, and a fumble? Is that Any fumble. But yeah, four turnovers. That's bad, bro. Yeah, that definitely unfortunate. But hey, I mean that that's that's how they just got their first one against Josh Allen, uh, to say the least, man. Um, I don't know, it's kind of tough to figure out a bad because like you guys said, I mean, the Dolphins getting absolutely destroyed by a good team, like that's one thing, but also losing to PJ Walker and Zach Wilson also was another thing, even as good as those defenses are. Like that's just what not, I'm saying, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like Zach Wilson gave him the go only ahead, thing ahead. I can say about those games, especially the Philly game and the San Francisco games, those those games were still competitive down to like the last, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, San Francisco just misses the field goal. So you know, yeah. right. I, that's why I just said the Dolphins to me, like you went to Buffalo and got whooped. Right. Like, <laughs> wasn't even close in that game. So that that to me is what, what 
ultimately to defines who who had the worst loss. But still, I, I still think the Dolphins are a very good team, very explosive team, and still can do a lot of damage in this league or whatever. Absolutely. Just bad day for them, you know. So, bad yeah. day, absolutely. And, and look to <laughs> to that point. I mean, look, it's just the the Dolphins are the Dolphins. They have an exceptional uh, uh, offensive game plan that can really get after you and give you a lot of issues. Um, but yeah, man, I, it's tough. Um, I think it's just bad karma to take a kicker early. Uh, we saw it with Tampa Bay. In the third round, Jesus I don't. Christ. I don't think you should be taking kickers early. Just, just don't do it. It doesn't seem like it works out. It's bad juju. Just, just don't do it. It's not a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, and to keep Cash's point, obviously the Lions uh, keep winning. Looks out, makes our loss look look better. Um, I think without your second and third best players, um, only losing by one point to uh, an excellent Lions team, so it does look a little bit better now. Um, and yes, that Jets defense is absolutely weird. I tried to tell him, Chris. I told him. And and I'll say this specifically about the Jets defense. People kind of saw that Sauce and, and, and DJ Reed weren't out and were like, oh, well, they should steamroll them. The the way the Jets defensive game plan is is built and their system, that uh, that defensive front is excellent, led by Quentin Williams and, and an excellent edge room. That system is built behind that defensive line getting after your passer and then just being solid in the secondary. They happen to have a great cornerback duo, but that's not vital for their system to work. And so you got to give them credit for being able to get the job done, even down those excellent corners. So, I mean, look, guys, we got to do the power ranking. So who are you picking as your number one team this week? I think it's us. I'm not even trying to be biased. I've been humble the last, like, three, four episodes of this, fellas. I've been putting us by, but... After the losses we just saw, I think we kind of have to be number one by default, honestly. Like, we have, like, we all, like, out of those 5 and one teams that D-Mag just mentioned, we have the best loss, if we're trying to be honest. So, yeah. out of those five, so I think we're kind of number one by default. I'm not trying to say, like, we're playing the best football or anything, but somebody got to be number one. I think it's us. That's just how I feel right, right now. It's a week-to-week league. Right now, I say we're number one. Mm-hmm. DJ, uh, you thoughts? I'll be the humble guy and say the Niners still. I think the Niners. Yeah. Okay. I still, <laughs> I still think the Niners. Jay Walker. Yeah. Jay Walker. Hey man, so it hey, happens. It be like that sometimes. It be like what? It be like that sometimes. It be like you know, what? Sometimes you know, you, man, you, I ain't trying to you lose it. to the PJ Walkers of the Let world. Let us lose the PJ Walkers. No, uh, the, the the Niners to me. They they were still they were still in that game still had a chance to win that game even at the end drove down the field missed the field goal like shit happens you know like I and I I still I'm not saying it's not a bad loss I mean, losing to PJ Walker is pretty embarrassing as far that's, as that's probably bases go in the locker room and stuff like that but I I still think the Niners are probably the most dangerous team in the league as far as on both sides of the ball and what they can do. Um, this to me is just a another. It's a bad day in Cleveland. Sorry, you know, like, but I I still think on both sides of the ball they're still more dominant in in a sense in what they can do as far as what versus what we we can probably do right now. So this well, is my thoughts right now. Part I'm I'm gonna throw a little bit of a wrinkle into it because I think it's a lot. I think that they have the cleanest resume as of right now. Um, they only the team to have a win over another five win team. You got to give them credit for that, even given the circumstances that it was under. Um, I think that they have been excellent as far as the offense is concerned. Derek Goff is dealing um, within that play action. They've missed him on Ross St. Brown and still not necessarily missed a beat. Jameer Gisbon in that lineup doesn't necessarily matter. They've just you know thrown in Craig Reynolds and had a good time. 
Um, Josh Reynolds also playing very well for those guys. Got to give him credit for that. Defense is flying around, um, especially that defense line is kind of really catalyzed. Um, and you got to give him credit for that. Dan Campbell got the boys playing hard. Um, so as of right now, you know, I, I think the Seahawks, the Seahawks are a good team. So them losing a, an overtime game to them doesn't necessarily say to me that they, they you know, should be knocked that badly for it. Um, so they'd be my personal number one. Um, I don't know how you guys want to settle this. Uh, do, do you guys feel any strong? I'm, go, go with the majority. I'm cool either way. I'm cool. I, I, I can see Detroit. Detroit playing really good football too. You want to give? It, I, I feel like Detroit is a nice feel-good story. Yeah, like, I, I don't mind picking Detroit. They're playing football right now. Have they played a favorable schedule though? They played us, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Who else they beat? Uh, they beat the Falcons. Falcons. Lost to Seattle. Yeah. Decent schedule. Decent schedule. Nothing crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you can make a case. Looking little sexy to me, baby. <laughs> nah, I, I, I think they they play good ball to me, but I, I think outside of me, I mean, really outside of us. No, that, it, it looked, like it, the schedule looks like you know. You can make a case either way. So. And look, to be clear, we'll get into this in our week seven preview. They have an excellent game versus the Ravens coming up here on Sunday night. It'll Big be seven. very fun to watch those two teams go at it, especially the way in which the mentality both of those teams play. How great the Ravens are, specifically over the middle of the field. It is going to be very excellent to watch those two teams play. So I'm very excited to see that. I did put the Niners at two, us at three for right now. The Niners have a little bit of a better overall body of work than us, and, and I give them credit for that. I don't think necessarily losing that game is too bad, specifically because I think the Browns' defense is the best in the league, and they're just a really bad matchup for the Niners' offense. So for right now, I'm going to give the Niners a little bit of pass here at two, um, and I'll put the Chiefs at three. So between the Eagles – um, you know, is sitting out there, um, and uh, and uh, we have the Miami Dolphins. Who do you guys think should be four uh, between those two? I think it should be Miami, but I want to see if you guys have a, a different feeling. Yeah, Miami. I like the Dolphins. Miami. Yeah. They they obviously got the most explosive offense in in the league sure. right now. Um, their speed on that offensive side of the ball is incredible, and uh, play calling with Mike McDaniel is very intriguing. They can do a lot of different things to to scheme up different teams or whatever. So I definitely like Miami at the four. Um, and to me, the Eagles are just they're offensively just not playing good ball. Just kind of like same place that I think the Chiefs are kind of in right now. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Uh, look, Baker, to Baker and Preston. I think I think Tampa's a little bit of fake good right now, and a little bit by default good as far as NFC South is concerned. Don't just call Atlanta Atlanta physical football team. Yeah, well, you know they they, they their defense is yeah. solid, and you know they like to run the ball, but you know Desmond Ritter's still the quarterback, so he's, I don't know if you really like that much. Uh, it, it is what it is. I I I, I would say <laughs> to number four is my, Miami H should be number four. And we Miami, yeah. can put Philadelphia at number five. Um, and, and look, it's not like again, you this early in the season, a lot of this is really just splitting hairs, especially amongst the, the actual right. elite elite, all five wins as far as those guys are concerned. Um, so let's let's take a look at the standings. Where do you guys think that we should go next? I mean, obviously, Ravens are right there. Jaguars had another, you know, impressive win to get to their three-game winning streak. Buccaneers lost. 
Pittsburgh's coming off their bye. Uh, Seattle Seahawks lost. Obviously, Bills took a, you know, Jesus, they tried to lose to the Giants, uh, but they didn't. <laughs> the Cowboys got back on track versus the Chargers. Browns had an impressive win, Rams, etc. Do you guys have a feeling as far as who you would think should be the number six team, number seven team? Who do you guys think stands out to, to you guys? Um, I'd take the Jags. I'll say the Jags or Baltimore, either one. Yeah, Jack, don't the Jack, Jags lead the league in turnovers right now, though? Takeaways, yeah, they lead the league in, in takeaways yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Jackson, okay, yeah, cool. I think they're playing good ball. They've been able to bounce back this these last couple games. It seemed like going over to London got them back on track. Hopefully, Trevor's yeah. good to go on Thursday, but yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool but, with Jacksonville right here. And I, I kind of thought going into this game on Sunday that they were they might you know, run into a sleepwalking type game where yeah. the Colts kind of come down there and run the ball against them and beat them. They, they stood tall and whooped the Colts' ass, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely impressed with Jacksonville right now, what they're doing. Yeah, they, look, I was a little bit con- concerned from a standpoint. Um, I, I was thinking that Jacksonville could get caught in a little bit of a sleepwalking trap game, a divisional game, coming back from London after two weeks. That could happen. No, they, they handled business as they should have. I thought that was very impressive to me. Um, the Ravens had a little bit of an ang game. Um, they were just kind of pedaling along in the, the red zone. They, they, they're they kind of like us right now. Like, they've had a really good defense. Their offense moves the ball fairly fine. And then they just, in the red zone, just start doing random stuff. It, it is what it is. And uh, ultimately, we'll see if they end up getting together. But I, I will say the Jaguars, to me, have looked a little bit more impressive. And I'm also kind of a, a Jaguars apologist to that point. So I think they deserve to be six and in the, uh, the Ravens seven. Um, like this is this is going to be very interesting to see because, uh, like I said, we are going to get a great game um, as far as the Lions and Ravens are concerned here on Sunday night. Like I'm I'm going to be tuned in for every single snap because last or last Sunday or not last Sunday, but two days ago, I was asleep for a, a couple of those snaps because that was. <laughs> It was really tough to watch a six nothing game between Josh Allen and Tyrod Taylor. It was difficult. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I yeah. Man, these, these, they got to fix these primetime games. Me and Chuck was having the time of our life. Y'all missed. It. <laughs> what were you guys doing? What were you guys doing that during that? Me uh, and Chuck was at the bar watching the game, having a good old time. Oh, DG okay. was being a hater. No, nah, I remember I was I was on the road back from Mississippi watching the game. Nah, you good? Game. We outside this weekend. Man, try watching it on your phone on a on a six-hour like road trip. Yeah, hey, wifey, hold the wheel. Yeah, man. And then it's it's six to nothing through like three quarters. You ain't missed nothing. You yeah. kept that thing on mute, right? Yeah, yeah. They gotta fix these prime time games. Oh god, we got a, we got a good one on Monday night too. I think we got a uh, Minnesota San Fran. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if, if we can see it a little see bit. See who's playing, maybe some injuries in there. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if Minnesota, you know, obviously without Jefferson, if they can put up enough points to really give San Francisco a run for their money there. Because uh, yeah. we know that their defense isn't going to give much resistance. Um, okay, so 8-9, and nine, I, I, I will skip ahead a little bit here. I want to reserve the 10 spot for the Cleveland Browns because their defense deserves to be highlighted. Um, their defense is excellent. It just is. I love them. I want to give them the gold star here this week. So we got a, a few few different teams here for the 8-9 spot. We've got, obviously, the Buffalo Bills. Struggle, still beat the Giants. We've got the Seattle Seahawks. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are somehow over 500. 
couldn't tell you how. I've watched all the games. That's the Ravens' fault. That doesn't make any sense how they are, but they are. Cowboys got back on track with the Chargers. Um, so Chargers, Seahawks, Steelers, Buccaneers, Bills, Cowboys. Who do you guys think should be these last two spots? I like yeah, the Bills. Throw the Bills in there. Yeah. They fair. The Bills should be one of these teams. That is, yeah. yeah. I don't like the injuries. I don't, I don't know if they can. Yeah, they're going through it long term. Yeah, I don't know if how it's going to work out. They got yeah. a lot of they lost who Milano's out for the year. Trey White out for the year. Uh, Daquan Jones or D Lyman's out for the year. They're going. They through it they the just have the worst fucking luck, bro. <laughs> Crazy. And now uh, Damian Harris. Glad, glad to hear he's okay. Mm. He's out of the hospital. He went down on Sunday night as well. And. They, they brought in Leonard Fournette for a workout. We'll see what happens there. But, yeah, Bill's going through it on, on injury from the injury front for sure. I don't know how they're going to make it through such a long season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would throw the Bills at nine and eight. It's kind of a toss-up, honestly. You can throw a lot of teams in there. What was the choice? We said Seattle, Pittsburgh. Who else? Yeah, we got Seattle, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. Pit, uh, just, uh, Who has the best Cowboys as well. Uh, I, I'd say the, the Cowboys probably had the best result. Because uh, they beat the charge. I'm gonna default to y'all. I'm cool either way. I, I'm going to <laughs> I, can, I don't want to make that. I can't choose. It's, it's easy. I. Do you have a strong feeling? I could, I could put the Cowboys back in there. Okay. But like, put a little asterisk. <laughs> little starting to it. I, I just, I think that the Niners game is just for them. Is and that, that's just a psychological. It did look bad. Game. It looked bad. I ain't gonna lie. It looked bad. The same way in which the Browns' defense is a bad matchup for the Niners, the Niners are just a bad matchup for the Cowboys across the board, and, and they own them, and that's the truth. Um, yeah. And that's kind of a – That Cleveland secondary so freaking good, bro. Oh, it's amazing. It's the and best in the league, bro. It's kind of a scary proposition for a team that has championship uh, you know, uh, aspirations that you just know that there's another team in your conference that is is going to beat your, your ass if you end up having to go against them. Um, no, I don't want to play that defense in the playoffs, but they're freaking good. Uh, but yeah, so so DG, you said you wanted you, you would lean Cowboys. Yeah, like I said, I, I I think that matchup with the Niners is more psychological for them. Um, yeah. And then uh, I understand last night may not have been the prettiest, but they found they responded and found a way to win and get back in the win column and show some some actual things. Dak actually looked pretty comparable. And a lot better this week, or whatever. Use his legs a lot more. The fighting Mike McCarthy, <laughs> and it's all glad you mentioned Mike McCarthy. So this is my oh issue. Boy. Right now. Oh boy, <laughs> he tried his darndest to lose that game on a multitude of occasions. That's he right. he did everything under the sun. It was time management. It was timeout management. It was play calling. He tried everything to lose that game, but Brandon Staley said, "Nope, I'm not gonna let you out." Pull out. my beer. <laughs> I, you, you, can you can't out choke me. Watch this. Watch this. I can do much worse. I promise you. Oh, man. It was awful to watch. Uh, Mike McCarthy coaching. Her I team. said that before the game. I tweeted out. I said, who's going to lose the game first? <laughs> Brandon Staley or Mike McCarthy? Mike watch McCarthy, it. Like, I got you. It's it's difficult. It, it just It's awful. To, uh, to so I, I, the, I say Seattle. Personally, I, I love Seattle secondary. I, I, Geno Smith struggled at times in the red zone. I get a very good Bengals defense on the road. Obviously, he would want a few of those back. To have he tried to lose the game, too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Boy, um, oh boy. But ultimately, I trust Pete Carroll more than I trust Mike McCarthy. 
CJ, you have to break the tie between Seattle and Dallas. Who are you choosing? Uh, yeah, you tried to get out of it. I brought it Jesus back. Jesus Christ, they're both back. <laughs> Dallas had the better win. Go with Dallas. They bounced back. Came off a terrible win. They handled business. Okay. Give me, give me, give me Dallas. Fair enough. I, I will say that uh, Dallas has earned their nine spot, and uh, we will highlight the Browns in the, the special 10 spot this week. Browns are the Browns, man. They absolutely deserve it. So, um, that all being said, um, like I've been talking about, we can get into the, the week seven preview a little bit here to close out the show. Um, we'll start with our game versus Chargers. Quick thoughts, obviously, a few days out. Um, what are your thoughts? Obviously, Chargers lost Monday night football against the Cowboys, struggled a little bit without Mike Williams. A lot of people with the discourse is Quinn Johnson. Is he going to be able to show up here? Has not to this point as a rookie wide receiver, rookie first round wide receiver. They got Austin Eckler back. They got Derwin James back. It was not enough to win at home. Ultimately, now they dropped our Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. What are you guys' first thoughts on this game coming up here on Sunday? This is a bad secondary. We should take advantage of this opportunity. But like I've been saying this for the last three weeks, mm-hmm. they're allowing 300 yards per game uh, to quarterbacks. So Pat should have plenty of opportunities to make plays. Their cornerbacks are very susceptible to big plays downfield. So um, this is a defense. We have great opportunity to make some plays up front. They have Khalil Mack playing at a high level. Joey Bosa and those guys are going to try to get after you. Derwin James versus Travis Kelsey, matchup number 100, whatever you want to call this matchup. Um, you know, he always he looks up to this, and I'm, I'm sure Travis just as locked in for this matchup as well. So um, I'm excited to see what we can do on offense, especially given the, the 10 days off and extra time to prepare and given all the things we've had happen in our receiver room with the injuries. So it's a, it's a, it's a get-right week. And we said this a couple weeks ago, this stretch up until Miami, um, we can, like we now, like DG said, we have a great, a lot of opportunities to prove ourselves on offense, to get back to being ourselves. And our defense has been playing at a high level. And um, Justin Herbert is going to obviously be locked in, um, not ending the game he wants. He missed a lot of big throws at Keenan Allen, a lot of throws he doesn't usually miss. Um, it's going to be a good matchup for us. And I, I think our secondary is ready for it. Uh, thank God Mike Williams isn't playing because he's usually the guy that gives us the most issues. So uh, hopefully we don't let Quinn Johnson have his breakout game against us. Knock on wood. I don't want to see that at all. So. He's not really getting as many snaps, which is very concerning for him because to be a first-round pick and Mike Williams was out and he had a bye week to get him more comfortable, he only got 48% of the snaps last night. That was very concerning. So I don't think they really trust him to make too many plays on the field outside of Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer on offense. So um, it's a good opportunity for our offense to go out there and, you know, like DG said, show who our true colors are and get back to being ourselves. So if this is the week for us to get a get-right week, then so be it. We know how these games go down with the Chargers, man. It's always a last-minute play. You know, it comes down to the last drive over at the ball. Last is going to make the play. So I agree with Nani. I love that. I love that prop. Trav always has a day against Derwin James. He always gives him a good, tough matchup. So, but Trav always looks forward to that one as well. So I expect our offense to look like ourselves to get back out there and run the ball and be effective. And this Charger defense, they're bad at stopping the run. They're bad at giving up the yards. There's not really too many good things. Outside of the pass rush with Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa, not too many good things you can say about this Charger defense. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to score some points and get our offense to get back in rhythm for sure. Yeah. I think this is a game, like CJ said, you got to kind of take advantage of, of the situation, what's going on. Um, outside of Khalil Mack, for real, Joey Bosa has been hurt most of the year. I think, well, he came back last night and played like 11 snaps, maybe, or something like that. So I, I would expect that they're still going to probably try to ease him back into the schedule as well. So you just, that's something that you're going to have to try to take advantage of or whatever. It's a bad secondary. So let your receivers go out there and let them go, you know. Trust trust 15 to, to get them get them the ball. I think this is this is one of those games where they 
I, I kind of feel like this is one of those games where it, it's an emphasis to kind of force feed some guys, you know, and get get some continuity going and, and actually set up some targets for for certain guys who haven't been able to get them because just because you can take advantage of a, a bad secondary. So I feel like they can do that. Plus, run the ball. Like I always say, every week they gotta get ten the, the ball a lot more, get him way more involved in this offensive game plan. Um, I think if they do that, then and this can be one of those games where, like I said, with the Broncos, it's it's close, but it's comfortable. Um, it, it's one. Of, I feel like that's what it's kind of gonna be. Maybe it does come down to. You know, last possession defense needs to get a stop, but but you should be very much in control of this game this Sunday. So hopefully, they come out with their their heads on straight and and, and you know come with a great game plan. So. The team need to bounce back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, we get MVP Pat back and not need, control home. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, the other situation is this is. Oh, <laughs> Don't turn. Look, they, they are 10 days on rest for the Chiefs. Extra time to prepare at home. Coming off a, a tough Monday night football game. That was a loss for the Chargers. The Chiefs should win this game. And ultimately, they should be dropping the Chargers to two and four and eliminating them from the division in this game in uh, in October. This, this is what should happen. Um, the offensive side of the ball is concerned. You can get after this secondary. You absolutely can. And we know, obviously, Travis usually has a good game versus these guys for a reason, but it's not just them. You can get after these DBs, and I, they have to be able to take advantage of them with these wide receivers. Mahomes has to trust these guys when they get open, stay in the pocket, and deliver the ball on time and on target um, because this offensive line is giving them time. So now this offensive line will have a challenge. Khalil Mack um, has been playing fairly well this season. Tui who is their um, uh, rookie out of uh, USC, also been playing very well. Joey Bussa came back, played under 50% of the snaps. We'll see how many you can get. I would like to see them do a little bit more up-tempo things. Obviously, coming out of the bye, maybe that's a little bit more viable than it is early on in the season when you're trying to work guys back. I want to try and see if you can establish a little bit of a rhythm here, get those guys gassed early, and agree, continue to run the ball effectively because they haven't been able to stop the run all year. Defensively, you saw last night, if it ain't Keenan Allen, it ain't really. It ain't, it ain't nobody. It ain't it's, nobody. Keenan, it's the Johnson Keenan show. Them only two guys really touching. I, I, I trust this this team to be able to rally a tackle Austin Eckler underneath. I think the, the tight ends are, are all right, but nothing really to be scared of. Keenan Allen, that guy has got to be seeing hell every single time that he goes out on the route, whether it's Legarius Need outside or Trent McDuffie inside. Those guys are going to have to shut down Keenan Allen. If you do that, you can have another excellent day for this defense once again. And we get Charles and Minihu back, which is, you know, that's just always going to be so fun to see. But extra rest advantage, 10-day bye. You you get the ability to really set your game plan and take advantage of a team that you can put the nail in the coffin as far as the division is concerned. Chiefs got to put their, their foot on the necks here. And then look, it's a Chargers game, so it's probably going to end up being close regardless. We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, so we'll for them too. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Appreciate you for coming by, Harold, as well, man. Um, so, yeah, so rest of the NFL slate, um, I'll let you guys pick your, your games of the week, and then uh, I'll pick a game off of you guys. Who you guys ha have as, as the game that you guys are going to be watching the most as we get into uh, week seven? 
I, that's I not mean, ugly. I mean, obviously, Miami, Philly. That's yeah, I was like, sure. that's the game of the week right that's, there. That's easy choice, easy choice. <laughs> Jalen uh, played terrible. Miami coming off a win. It's going to be a good matchup. Um, apparently, the Eagles signed Julio Jones today. Don't know why that happened. Hey, I saw, I saw a graphic. I saw a graphic of who's going to stop this offense, and it was Hurts, and it was AJ, and it was Smitty, and then it was Julio Jones, and I'm like, you should have put an injury emoji next to it. Like, that's what's going to hurt him. Y'all, like, know better. Y'all know better than to put Julio in that garbage. I, I I that's that's another play. conversation. I'm not even going to get started. But I didn't know Julio was Julio. playing football, man. Bro, I, they have Zacchaeus and Quez Watkins, and somebody think Julio is better than those two. But I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other point. Oh, um, yeah. that, that's the best game of the weekend for sure, outside of ours, obviously. Um, Probably Lions and they're, Ravens. They're going, to need, they're going to need the Eagles secondary uh, to get a little healthier. Obviously, we know. The, the, the Dolphins have an explosive, speedy offense. They're going to put the middle of that field in, in a lot of uh, very interesting, a lot of conflict. Um, so there's a little bit of a mismatch there as far as the Eagles defense, and Miami's offense. So the Eagles offense is also going to have to bring it against the Eagles defense because I think Miami will be able to put some points up on. Oh the- yeah, for sure. This is probably the worst defense for that Philly team since they've had like this little Wentz, Jalen Hurst mixture era. Their defense usually has been top-notch. Now, their, their front seven is still playing phenomenal, but on the back end, they're not covering at a high level. And this is given the fact they brought back Badbury and Darius Slate, but they're just still not. They're giving up too many big plays. Guys are getting open in the middle of the field, and they're not covering as well as they should have been, even with the still high-pressure rate from guys like Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and guys of that sort. But outside of that, I think we all know the next big game is probably easily Detroit-Baltimore. Great matchup, like D-Max said earlier, two physical football teams. They both want to run the football. David Montgomery may or may not play. He's banged up the ribs from this Tampa game the previous week, so it's going to be a good matchup to see what they do. But those are the two biggest games on the slate for me. Jared Goff on the road in Baltimore. Roquan Smith for that defense is leading those boys, and you know he loves to get turnovers. And Jared Goff is not the best quarterback on the road, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens do uh, coming off a big win over over the pond over there versus the, um, versus the Titans. So. It's gonna be that's a good matchup to see which which offense plays better because I expect both offenses to be explosive and put up points, but what defense shows up is gonna be very interesting in that matchup for sure. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fascinating to see those two. Um, obviously, the Lions are a physical team, especially with their offensive line. The Ravens really like to get after you with their linebacker splitting. That generally is a little bit of an interesting mismatch against the Lions, who like to do their play action. Can the Ravens shut down the run enough to make sure that the play action doesn't matter? And obviously, are the Lions on the defensive end being able to make sure they get after Zay Flowers effectively and limit Lamar's legs as well? It's going to be a very fascinating game to watch just to see, you know, it's kind of a uh, what are what is the truth of the, the season when you actually play a really good team? What are you able to get to? What actually carries over um, compared to what you can get to versus some lesser teams as well? So and that goes for both teams. The, the Lions are just as much of contenders as the Ravens are. And that has to be said. They have earned that right to be put into that category right now. Uh, no doubt about it. I also say my sneaky fun. Well, I won't say fun. My sneaky game of the week is Steelers Rams. Um, I, like I said, I think the Steelers are just fake good. I don't know how the hell they're over 500, but they are. The Rams. <laughs> the, Tomlin the, Rams effect, the Rams are just like they, they're doing their stars and scrubs thing. It's Aaron Donald on defense just wrecking havoc and a bunch of dudes just flying around and trying their hardest. And on offense, it's Matthew Stafford. The Cooper Cup show. Starts all over the place to Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Puka, so, Nakua. Puka, Puka, Pikachu. Open that cup. It's Pikachu. <laughs> How the Steelers try and combat that off the bye is going to be very, very fascinating. Um, shout out to uh, Kingdoms Queens podcast. They did ask about the Frank Clark discussion. Um, I, I, I personally said 
and, and this wasn't this was on on not what wasn't on the pod today, but just in general. I think that you can move Matt Diggerson off this roster now that Charles is back. I think you can move Malik Herring off this roster now and, and bring Frank back. That's just me personally. You don't have to give him a bunch of snaps. He can play 10 to 15 snaps, just pass rush it, throughout the game. Or if you want to just put him on ice to the playoffs, that's cool. But I would like to see him brought back just into this room because you can always use a little veteran uh, leadership. doesn't have to happen right now, though. We'll see what ends up happening as far as that's concerned. Um, how do you guys feel about Frank Clark coming back into fold as we wrap this up? I don't I, think anybody's I, saying no to Sharp, man. Five, five back, limited snaps. It's an ace in the hole when you get to the playoffs in January. It's the best. I know his crib's still out there. I know he ain't sell it. So it, it makes sense, man. It makes sense for us. It makes sense for him. Finish his career off the right way. It, it makes too much sense, man. You know, get it done. If it's Pablo, he wants to do it. I know Andy spoke on it yesterday in his code talk. So um, if, if Frank want to come back, you know, we'll welcome him with open arms. So it's definitely something we want to see. Trans, five, trans, five, always welcome home, man. Translation, he's taking a physical and we're working through some contract negotiations. Uh, matter of fact, I just saw Frank on the plaza. <laughs> Y'all want me to go get him? I just saw I just saw Frank on Westport. Nah. He was at Kelly, he was at Kelly's I, bar. What you mean? I definitely would want uh Frank back. I need for especially for my DJing purposes, I need more clips. Um Frank was arguably one of the best shit talkers. Oh man. <laughs> so <laughs> So, them sound bites for Frank. Right. I definitely need those sound bites back. But nah, man. Uh, I, I think this this would be an, an easy money sign, man. It it gives you a guy who can be a situational pass rusher, um, can come in and, and help develop some of these young guys. You know, I know they didn't make Chris Jones awfully happy uh to have his guy back in there. Uh and just it's just great for the locker room, man. Uh I I, I think it was a sign it. I I I really feel like we we shouldn't have let Frank get out of the building uh, in the first place. But, you know, it's business happens. And I understand, you know, contract negotiations don't always go the way you, you think they're going to go or yeah, whatever. We paid so. him the salary, then we brought him back. It's all right. Yeah. So, he, got, he got a little bit of that Walmart money, and, and now we can <laughs> come back home. You did, they just yeah. did us a favor. Appreciate it. I, I think for Frank, this is for his side and for the Chiefs' side, this is a no-brainer. Uh, he should definitely be back in, in this locker room. And hopefully they're able to get something done, which I kind of think they already got something done. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, I'm gonna go pick. I'm gonna go pick him up in the airport. I'm gonna let y'all know. I I heard he was enrolling his kids back in the school already. Probably is. So. No cap. Look, this is this is gonna be very fascinating because not just Frank Clark. Obviously, trade deadline coming up. Watson's injury. Uh, Charles Emanuel coming back, who right now has a uh, roster exemption, but by Saturday, I believe that's going to run out. So there is going to be some type of corresponding move. How exactly this roster is going to be shaken up within the next two or three weeks as you get it closer to the bye um, in this interesting stretch is, is going to be something to watch as well. Um, so, yeah, look, man, that, that's that's it for uh, this episode of Tell the Truth Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for coming by. Uh, make sure you check out CJ at the Aftermath Podcast as well. Check out DG, the best DJ in all the land. Make sure y'all know who spins it the best. Um, you can find me on Twitter at dmacwake316. I'll be on, on Kinocast later on on Thursday as well, hosting my Red Friday space as well uh, throughout the week. Shout out to everybody that came by to listen. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace yeah. out.